Welcome to the Pathfinder Podcast, brought to you by Shillington, where we talk to creatives about how they navigated their design careers from the early beginnings up until now, and the twists and turns along the way. I'm Jimmy Muldoon, designer and teacher at Shillington's New York campus. Glad you could join us. So today we have Louise Bruff, who is a Melbourne-based designer and illustrator. Uh, Her work reflects her personality. It's bright, it's bubbly, it's humorous. Louise, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Oh, hi, Jimmy. I'm good. That's good. I'm doing fantastic. It's it's good to finally get to sit down and chat with you and uh, and catch up about everything that you've uh, been up to. I know it's so fun and especially like what is it your nighttime over there in my morning yeah wanted to just kind of chat to you about you know a few things about your career and the things that you've learned along the way I know that you have an extensive career um, as a designer and traveled around and so forth and I kind of want to go back to like maybe an early beginning of um, your childhood and describing what maybe some of your earliest moments were like with creativity or, you know, curious about making things or drawing or whatever it is. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting to think about like what were my early moments of creativity was like and what that was like when I was younger, because I don't think I remember, like I grew up in the suburbs and I don't think that I was like a prodigy child or have all these memories of drawing beautiful things. And I was like, oh, this girl's going to be an artist when she grows up. (laughs) I don't think there was anything like that at all. Um, My parents were quite, uh, they like were a role reversal home. So my dad was home a lot um, doing the sewing and the cooking and joining the mother's clubs. And then my dad and my mum was running her own business Um, And my dad was really supporting her with that. Mm. And they always made time for like different courses and things. So they were doing like different watercolors or painting and things like that. So I think I definitely would have, as a kid, got involved with whatever they were doing at the time, like making chocolates or whatever random course they were doing. And as I got older, I would do some courses with my dad. We did like a Hebel sculpture course and upcycled furniture and things like that. It was more about, rather than being a perfectionist of things, more about just trying different things and giving them a go and just being open to new things. And I think like, yeah, I mean, probably I remember doing a lot of Art Attack. I don't know if you remember Art Attack. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Neil Buchanan, I think it was. Uh, so yeah, like doing a lot of his Art Attack, <laughs> attempting his Art Attack projects ourselves. It's, it's really interesting how you kind of talk about the the Hebel sculpture and you know upcycling about it not being perfectionist because I think that's a really interesting thing to learn from a young age of just giving something a go, right? Mm. It, it's just about I think it's a, a terminology that we've kind of used when we've worked together is like just throw it to the wall and see if it sticks, essentially. Yeah trying all these different things and you're like oh do I enjoy 3d things oh no do I enjoy yeah. this oh maybe oh this could be cool oh this is definitely more fun if I do it with other people mm. and yeah really trying things out yeah do you still get to do that you know as as a family or is that mm, I don't think so I still my <laughs> I still brainstorm with my dad yeah. and make things he definitely enjoys 
being able to upcycle things or think of things differently. So I really like, especially freelancing, I chat with so many different people about so many different ideas and it's really interesting to get different perspectives and he always has a really fun insight. He'd be like, look at this leaf. Maybe this leaf can give you inspiration or something. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, maybe. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'll put it on my desk and remember it. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, I think it's even like a different generation where having to be resourceful as well, like mm. they – you know, even my parents are like having to work with what they had. You had to be resourceful. You couldn't just go out and buy a whole bunch of new things. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's problem solving, essentially, you know, finding a problem and finding a creative way to solve it. And I think the other thing is like when I think about it, my mum was running her own business, so she's working from home. My dad was kind of raising us, you know, a home mum at points. So it's like they needed these creative outlets to kind of build a community as well and get in touch with different creatives, even though they weren't artists, which is something I definitely feel as a freelancer and in times of my career when I wanted to move from a job into another career path or not career path, another time of my life. Like how can I get involved in a creative community somehow? Mm -hmm. So can you tell us about your career and what led you to actually going and working for yourself as, as a freelancer? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I started off in the wine industry and had this really interesting progression through the wine industry and then moved sort of into more of a social enterprise kind of space. And while I was working full-time, I was always doing freelance projects on the side. They obviously grew and grew. The first one was a logo for my friend's parents' bakery. And then my jobs just got bigger and bigger. And so moving into full-time freelance for me felt like um, an evolution Mm. because it just meant that my full-time work got less and my freelance work got more until eventually I was freelancing full-time. And my last job was at Thank You. And there I was working four days a week which meant that I could put more time into my freelance business and really set it up. And then I took time. I went and traveled overseas for three months and then went to Mexico for three months and hung out, which sort of gave me creative inspiration and meant that I could take on jobs and think about what kind of jobs I wanted to do and really think about freelance life and what my messaging was and what jobs I wanted to be attracting so that when I did come back to Melbourne, I could just really jump into it and mm. have a lot sort of set up. Yeah. Was that difficult to come back to Melbourne after kind of being in Mexico for so long, being able to work and live a very different life in a very different environment to Melbourne? Because I know you're a huge fan of that culture. Yeah. And it's, it's definitely, it's definitely different because I, in Mexico, I was working out of cafes or this really cute little co-working space. And we had this really nice little group of four of us. And there was an architect and someone who did furniture and a designer. And that was really cool to figure out. That was the kind of co-working space that I really like, that really close space. So I think the thing that I noticed most was coming back to Melbourne, working on my own and working from home Mm. and really bringing in that diligence, which I feel like the world can experience, can understand these days. Yeah. What was it 
What was those interview processes like for companies like um, you work for like uh, DWS, you know, there's Venomopo? Yeah, I think they were also different. The mm. first job I got as a graphic designer was at this place called Domain Wine Shippers and they were a wine distributor. And I remember her looking at my folio. I had the best boss, but she looked at my folio and I had all these things from uni and it was like a website. It wasn't an actual website. It just was designed to look like a website. And then um, all these different things. I remember her looking at my folio and being so impressed. And she's like, oh, we need a website. Cool, great. And she saw all the potential of the things that they need in their business, which I had in my portfolio. And I was so nervous because I hadn't actually <laughs> hadn't made this website. But um, so that was a really interesting process. And then when I got that job, she really let me explore and discover and find out who I was. Um, and I was there for five years and it was such a great job and I was playing with all these things, but then I was studying my WSET, which mm -hmm. is a sort of official uh, wine course. And while I was there, I was studying that and it was so dry. It was so interesting, but it was so dry. And I found one, wine so much fun, frolicking fields and taking photos. And so I started a side project where I was like, okay, I'm going to take all these wines that I'm trying and then just do visual tasting notes. And then I'm going to start creating wine education in the way that I would like to be told rather than the formal formalities of this course. So I started this and I started putting it on Instagram and learning about Instagram and building a website and all these kinds of things. And then while I was there, I came across this photograph of these photographs by this photographer, Kit Young, and she'd taken photos of this these bottles these wine bottles that Adam Monster had designed and I loved them and I thought they were so cool and I reached out to them and I was like hey can I share this image and so they worked for a company called Vino Mofo who I hadn't heard of but when I really looked at it I was like yes these this brand aligns with exactly what I'm thinking like wine should be fun and playful and cool so they were like hey come in for a chat I went in for a chat and by this point, I was like, oh, I really want to work here. I'm going to put together a resume. So I made this really cute little resume that was a wine bottle and a tasting note. And I wrote about myself in the form of, oh, it was really geeky. But anyway, I took this in, um, all very positive and everything, and had a chat with them. And, yeah, everything aligned, and we saw the same thing in wine. And so I ended up getting that job. And I think I don't – doing that project – Mm -hmm. of creating all the wine tasting notes and things really meant that I was like, oh, I'm clear on what I want this to be. And then they saw that as well. So that was a really important interview process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. And it's kind of really interesting that you really kind of took it to the nth degree of, of a, a leave behind, so to speak, uh, that was true to yourself but then connected to the company that you were looking to to work for. So thinking about those things seems like it, it made a relatively strong impact that you kind of went that extra mile to leave something at the interview rather than just going, all right, thanks for that. See you later. We'll, we'll talk soon. But to actually put something together because um, leave behinds can be a, a, a weird thing, but it seems like you found something that connected with them really well. Yeah, it was a really fun way for me to 
show my creativity. Mm. I, I can't remember how confident I was in my portfolio back then, but I feel like whenever you're, whenever I've been looking at my for- portfolio, I'm always like, oh, I don't know. I really have to build up that confidence. So I think putting all of those things into something creative that feels fresh and new that I'm also like, yes, I feel good putting this forward. And I feel yeah. good showing this to someone. Yeah. I think can make a big difference. And I think the other thing also um, in terms of my sort of job interview process for these jobs is from memory, I don't think any of them were hiring at the time. Mm. I really figured out and thought about the culture of the place I want to work, the values of the places I wanted to work. And I was, and so I approached them and I created something and reached out to them to say, mm. hey, I want to work with you. And it, they might not necessarily have had something right away, like Vino Mofo, that was also really great timing. Um, but I think who gives a crap? I think I reached out to them and then it was another six months or something until they were like, oh, we're looking for a graphic designer. Let's mm. chat. Yeah. So I think it really does make a difference. And it also makes a difference thinking about who you want to work for then. Mm. Um, and that's something that always I've always sort of done in my full-time work. I've gone for, okay, I want to work for this company and gone for it. Um, and But with my freelance work, I would generally just take it as it came to me. And I'd come in my inbox and I'd take it. I think it's only been this last six or 12 months that I've really thought about, no, what freelance clients do I want to work with? And who do I want to work with? And sort of taken that same approach. Mm. Um, so maybe what are some of those lessons that you've learned from the companies that you've worked for? Yeah, I think I learned from the different ones, the things that I I wanted and needed in a job. Um, like Bino Mofo was really fun because I was part of a team and we had a creative director and we all brought something unique to the team. But it was also cool because we were doing a lot of daily deals, which is selling the same thing over and over again. But we found so much fun and creativity in that, mm. in the day-to-day things. Um, and really, yeah, oh, it was so much fun. And then at Who Gives a Crap, they, like, I really loved the culture and the mission. Um, they really invested in the people, um, which is really, which I realized is also really important to me. They didn't just talk about their values and that they cared about their stuff. They really, really lived it and showed it. Yeah. And um, I think for Thank You, it was, again, really showing that they care about the culture of the company and they would take these time out for long lunches. And when someone would start at the company, they get everyone together to introduce them and welcome them. And especially as a creative team, you're working with so many other teams. You're working with marketing and you're working with sales. And those relationships are really important. It's important to feel close with the rest of the company. Mm. Um, Yeah, I think so. And I think sort of the thing that I learned from all of them is, yeah, really get behind the values and also the product. It feels so proud to go into a bathroom or go somewhere. Yes, I work for them. I stand behind them. It's cool. I'm I'm a big advocate for working Mm in-house. I think you really get to get behind a product and a brand and see every aspect of it. It's really exciting. Yeah. I think one thing, another thing from all those businesses that I've worked for is that I'm still so close with so many of them. And as a freelancer, it makes such a difference because I sort of have my creative team, you know, I can 
call up Megan Tim from Who Gives a Crap or Kiyashi from Thank You or, you know, Kit and Tay and Pat from Vino Rofo and Adzi yeah. and I, everyone has all these different um, perspectives and ideas and they're my team and they weren't necessarily in the creative team, but they helped me with my freelance and being able to brainstorm and look at things differently. Mm. Yeah, it sounds like you've you've got a great network of, of people around you as you've kind of progressed through your career from the different places that you've worked, a great kind of network of, of, of bright thinkers and creatives and copywriters mm. and, and, and strategy people that you can kind of like bounce off of. Because that's a great thing. I guess as a freelancer, you, it's you at the computer. Like you're yeah. not in a studio environment where you can ask someone alongside you. So to have people on speed dial I'm sure is an incredible thing to you. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, they're not all necessarily fellow uh, graphic designers. Mm. Like, um, Meg works a lot with insights and looking at customers and how the customer is always at the centre of things. Yeah. So that's really interesting for me to bring into my work and then copywriters and, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people for different things. Like when I'm brainstorming, I'll go for a walk and talk to them and brainstorm for different moments. And, yeah, it never, that way it doesn't also feel isolating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so going back to you as, as a freelancer, pricing clients uh, can be <laughs> an uncomfortable thing as, as a creative. Um, you know, am I charging too much? Am I not charging enough? yeah. Oh man, I always struggle with this. Yeah. <laughs> and it is an evolution and trying new things. I think um, one of the big differences of what I used to do versus now is time. I now am more diligent with not spending any more than 30 minutes max on quoting because I find sometimes by the time you email them, I like to jump on a call with people, really find out what their problem is because sometimes yeah. they think they know what their problem is and then it's something else. And then you can really get a sense of where their business is going, send them a quote. Um, and sometimes I even drop it in earlier. Mm -hmm. If someone emails me and I'm like, oh, are they from a business? Are they a person? What kind of thing are they asking for? I'll sometimes drop price in right away because if I spend two hours quoting for a project, <laughs> do that four times in my days, gone. Yep. Um, I also use a time tracker. I use Toggle. but it keeps me accountable, like start the timer, start doing my quoting for jobs. But then it's also really handy because I also time my jobs when I work on them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I'll think, okay, this will take me 20 minutes or 20 hours. And then when I look back at a few previous jobs, I'll be like, oh, this took me 60 hours. No, <laughs> the quote. <laughs> I can be more realistic and have more confidence. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think also one thing that's changed is I used to also really quote, like I really wanted every job and I didn't want anyone to ever say no to me. I really wanted them to say yes and I wanted every job and now I quote a bit more as though I'm busy and I don't want it. There's obviously some jobs that I really, really want, but I try to quote, like it's okay if they say no, it's not, it's not worth my time. And I think now that I'm doing other projects and stuff as well, I'm a bit more aware of my time. Mm-hmm. And I think also kind of what we're talking about before of having the group of people around you, it's really nice 
to be able to surround yourself with people and bounce off them because sometimes I do forget my worth and it's really nice to chat about it with um, the people that I mentioned before and then sort of say, no, what are you doing? (laughs) Did that last time. Don't do that again. (laughs) It's a great thing, like, toggle, like, seeing especially uh, like like graduates who are just getting into the industry and and taking on freelance, it is a mistake that they're going to make and that's okay. Like Mm. everyone's been there and for you to kind of be able to see that in front of you saying, cool, that actually took me 60 hours. I charged him for 20. You can't sustainably live like that. So that way, that's a really great way of actually seeing it in front of you and being accountable for it. And then Yeah, I love tracking my time for so many different reasons. Even sometimes you get to the end of the week and you're like, oof, why am I tired? And you're freelancing. Sometimes it's not the consistent nine to five. And you look at your time. Okay, that's that's why I'm tired. <laughs> I worked a lot on this. Yeah. And then you really like get to see the patterns of things and how long they take. And I even break it down of how long I spend mood boarding, how long I spend doing initial concepts, revisions, emails. Like I try to time it all. But when I am quoting, I do need to remember that I'm not just timing for my, quoting for my hours, pricing for my hours. I'm also quoting for my time and skills and unique perspective on things. Yeah. Because you bring with you a whole bunch of insights and skill sets from your career. So it's not just I'm a graphic designer. There's a whole bunch of stuff that they get when they come to you, which I think is a great thing about your career is you've picked up lots of different contacts and insights and processes along the way that make you a valuable designer. Yeah, and I I think that's also the interesting thing about graphic design is not being a resource. Like you're handing over something tangible, Mm. but it's really, I find, getting myself and trying to get... Um, like people I work with, the businesses in the mindset, they're like, I'm giving them more than that. Like being able to clearly articulate their messaging is huge and those kinds of things. So it really is the bigger things of what you can do for them. But I do also think, yeah, working in-house has meant that when I work with brands that I have a bit more of an understanding of what they need (laughs) as being that in-house designer and knowing the internal communications and things that you need to be able to execute and roll out the brand. So I want to talk about pivotal moments in your career. Maybe it's successes or or maybe even rejections. How did those things change the course of your career? Yeah. I mean, thinking about this, I don't have, on the top of my mind, I don't have any huge ones that really jump out at me. For me, I think it's a lot of the little ones. Mm-hmm. kind of piled on top of each other mm-hmm. um for example uh years ago I was working on a wine label and I really didn't have confidence in my illustration which I've been doing illustration I just was really lacking that confidence and my art director at the time Adam was like really pushing me to do an illustration do an illustration and my inner voice was like I can't do this I can't do this I can't do this and I think I stayed up at nights before the end, the last, you know, getting it done and doing it. And then I did it and I'm so proud of it. It was great. (laughs) I'm still so proud of it. Mm. So I think sometimes for me, it's a lot of just those little ones Mm. 
Mm. And then it's like that happens again and again and it builds up that confidence, which then changes the sort of success of my career path because then I feel more confident. Oh, I can bring illustration to a project. Oh, I can do that. And it's not only just feeling more confident about the skill, but also the process, mm. my process of illustration and how I do that, mm. I think. Yeah. I, I was digging around your website and I saw the Mimi um, yeah. labels, you know, stick different wine labels with different illustrations. Like that's incredible. But on your site, you show your process, like you show the initial sketches and the colour inspiration and kind of where it kind of stems back to. I think that's a brilliant thing that you've kind of shown on your website. It wasn't just something you pulled out of thin air, but it was actually grounded in some thorough research and that actually gave you a direction and you had sketches that you were kind of going to be working to. I thought that was absolutely fantastic. Oh, cool. Yeah, I think also sometimes a lot of that's also for me. <laughs> to be like, oh, okay, this is how I got there. That's right. Yeah. Not me, yeah. how we got there. Oh, this, well, this is where we're going. I, and I, just I even put it down and see it. Oh, yeah. I want to touch on something you spoke about before about confidence and creative confidence. What have been some of the things that you have done to build that creative confidence um, in yourself when maybe you're, you, you felt like you were lacking your know, direction or artistic skill or technical skill? I think that again, and maybe I keep, yeah, I think, I think those projects just for fun really mm -hmm. come into it mm -hmm. because also they're the ones that you could do and you can look back at them years later and be like, whoa, I've come a long way. <laughs> but at the time, <laughs> there's less pressure because it doesn't have to, it's not like you're doing a branding for someone, a business. You know, this needs to have longevity for years and years to come. You can do things and try something and then you do it and you get that peg up, perk up, oh, okay, yeah, I did that. That's cool try like for me like sometimes I try learning like a new web system or something <laughs> and I'll be like I'm gonna make a little website and I'll just learn Figma or something like that and just do something and then feel like okay cool yeah I'm on top of this I can figure something out if I need to just those little confidence things I think mm. for me mm, it's a good question though yeah, and it's interesting because sometimes I've also felt, what do I like? When I'm not feeling all that confident, like, what do I like? What do I enjoy? It's hard to think about mm -hmm. what it is that you want to do. Because I remember mm -hmm. when, yeah, that first job I had, I was the only graphic designer and I loved that job. But after five years, it felt really isolating. Yeah. And I felt like I had just graduated uni again for five years on. But I was like, okay, I want to get into this creative industry. How, I feel so disconnected from it. How do I get into it? And I was going to so many folio nights and so many Agda talks and going to so many and kind of playing back into that thing of like going to different workshops and trying different things. And then being like, what do I like? What does interest me? Looking at my Instagram, like what are the things that I'm following that I care about? Mm -hmm. And then sort of going from there because it can feel really disconnected sometimes. Yeah. So, so what was it from... At that point, what did you realise that you wanted to do? I think 
that was when I started doing the like the wine kind of um uh side project thing and I think I also aligned myself with a mentor at the time I think that was a really big thing to sort of get someone to push me and give me guidance as well yeah which is something I should probably take into my (laughs) present self's advice (laughs) could you tell us briefly about your design process and what that usually looks like for you yeah I think um I've gotten clearer on my design process um especially with freelancing so I'll generally do a kickoff with a client um I get really clear early in early on what their problem is um and start those conversations early like is it a transformation is it an evolution and get really clear on their goals and where they're going as a business um, I'll then do generally do a kickoff and do lots of research and get really clear on the value propositions. Um, and I'll rewrite the messaging in different ways. I was told this fun technique where you can write the messaging to as though you're writing to a grandma or to an Uber driver or to a CEO and sort of play around with those sort of different things. And then I tend to give a reverse brief back to them. Like, this is what I'm understanding of your business. This is the messaging. This is what I'm seeing to kind of really check that we are aligned. And then I start to get into more of the visual stuff and, yeah, bouncing off ideas and brainstorming with friends and doing uh, mind maps and things like that, mm-hmm. and sort of pulling in my little creative team. Um, <laughs> and then I also, with freelance, find it's much easier to keep to two to three rounds of revisions, um, which doesn't always happen when you're working in-house. Yeah. <laughs> it can often keep going and keep going, but I found, and I've definitely something I've practiced and got more diligent at and, yeah, worked on my design process to make sure I am more efficient. And, again, that timer aspect comes into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Making sure that I don't go too crazy and, you know, inspiration yeah. <laughs> searching or something. Because like, you can go down a rabbit hole when it comes to, like, mood boarding or you know thinking about how what colors you're going to use like you can spend hours yeah and especially like I have different processes for different things like packaging I'll print things out and cut them out and it's a lot more tactile and it takes me longer right sometimes like my process for illustration I need to go to a cafe and have no internet so I can't, I just need to deprive myself. <laughs> so if I, I do pull out the internet, it's much more of like I get it on my phone kind of thing. And so I yeah. think I've just gotten a lot better on that sort of creative process for mm. myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another thing that's interesting about freelancing is finding out, maybe it's not so much freelancing, but finding out what the common threads are and being like, okay, these projects are all different, but you go about them in a similar kind of process. So you're not always reinventing the wheel every time that you start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's also getting, for me, it's been getting in touch with when I work best. Like I'm a night person. I, I, yeah, I like working at nighttime and I have to cut myself off sometimes at like 3 a.m. in the morning (laughs) and go to bed. But that's when that works for me. I like it. Yeah. Well, you can do that as a freelancer, right? Yeah, and when I get into something, I, someone once told me that I kind of work in campaign mode where I'll just, like, get so into projects and I'll get all these projects and I'll work up and I'll go, 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 go. 
And then I send them and then I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted. I'm done. I'm going to take a few days off and go camping or whatever. And then it kind of starts up again. And, you know, I think about, is that okay for me? Or do I want to be more consistent? And it's interesting finding what works for you. Mm. What, what have you found works best for you? For me, I mean, one thing I like about design is you can create it for whatever <laughs> you yeah. want in your life. But yeah, I think for me at, at the moment is like, I like being able to like, you know, do all these projects, work really hard and then be like, okay, I'm done now. I'm don't, not going to do any work for a little while and not have to think about it. And then I can work on my other projects and yeah. then come back to work when I really want to and go a bit harder at it. I think yeah. that that works for me. Yeah. What's one of the most exciting projects that you worked on over the last 12 months? Yeah, I think... um it, kind of goes back to what I guess I was just saying in the sense that like, so I started a project with a friend. We launched a business, which is so exciting. Um, she, my friend Taylor Gentle, she's a very talented copywriter and producer. So we created Moody Incense nice. and we have, we met when we were working full time together and then we've been freelancing on different projects together and we really wanted to make something that we were both really cared about. And for us, it was like how people can experience mindfulness and self-care in a different way. Mm. So we made these incense sticks, which are like little 45-minute timers for people to take time out for themselves to dance around their lounge room or make pretzels out of alphabets. <laughs> and it's created all around different moods. Mm. Um, and it's really fun because we've been able to do that all ourselves, all through like the products and the packaging and and make these beautiful reusable pouches with second stitch and almost what I was saying with the stuff with freelancing is it means that I can just like freelance and then also focus on that and I can get the balance in whatever way I want to mm. and yeah I'm so proud of Moody it's so fun yeah. and it's I'm, I've never been married but I imagine it's like creating your own wedding invitations <laughs> It's really hard at first because you just have so many options. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is the thing. You're the designer and the client. So as a designer, you're always your hardest critic, right? So how how did that work for you? Like you had to sign off on the design. I guess you had Taylor there, which was great. How was that process designing for, for yourself? Yeah, it was definitely lengthier than if it had have been with a client. <laughs> <laughs> that toggle was through the roof, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I toggled that project. <laughs> I wouldn't want to know how long I spent. <laughs> but I think um, we sort of went about it in the process as though you would with a client and we did our values and then we really did who our customer is and everything like that but I think hmm yeah we just I think I got to a point where I'm like you just gotta do something and get it out there like it's never gonna be perfect just do it and get it out there and then I think once I sort of had that mentality and we had a deadline in place Mm. and we did that and then it was like oh okay this looks cool yeah I I (laughs) I can roll with it it's it's incredible like it has this I can, I can imagine the person, you know what I mean? When I look at mm. the the colours you use, the illustrations you use, the tone of voice that, that you have for it, the packaging and so forth, 
Um, I think you got like a little bingo game in there. Um, I can, yeah. I can, I see the personality through all of those different factors of the brand that you've created. Like it's, yeah, it's it's really remarkable. Thanks, and it is interesting. Also, kind of like talking about essentially it's a passion project so it's interesting being like okay let's take a product that isn't you know and do it differently Mm. and I think that's also what I enjoy doing in my freelance work is taking Mm. products that you may people may look at one way but then creating all these different things about it for Mm. example with the incense it's all about what you do while it burns and creating that mood and less of an emphasis or not less of an emphasis on the product but looking at it differently yeah and I've also got so much more um, understanding of small businesses now. <laughs> <laughs> Overheads and, and so forth. Yeah, and even working with clients, like I, I tend to work with existing businesses who do more rebrands, but with working with new businesses, I definitely um, have more understanding now <laughs> of all the yeah. things that are involved and what they need to really succeed. Mm. In your experience working with probably a number of different kind of creative directors. What have you seen in your career as a really healthy leadership style? Yeah, I've been really lucky. I've had really great creative directors. I've heard some, you know, funny stories from people, but I've had really great experiences and they've all taught me something really different. Um and I sort of take a little bit from each one. But yeah. I think the one thing they all really had in common were they were all really empowering. And yeah. I feel like they weighted my personal growth alongside the company's growth, mm. which to me is really important. And they really took the time to understand me as a person and mm. what I care about um, and really sort of establish that communication. And as I've grown, um, I've been able to then communicate more back what I need. I need goals. And this is how I like feedback and things like that. Whereas in the beginning, I guess you sort of need a creative director that can really help you figure those things out. Yeah. What is some of the best career advice that you have ever received? Ooh, I feel like hmm, I've had some good, advice but I think one that keeps coming up and maybe because why I go on about it so much is yeah passion projects yeah and just how they really help you as a creative and your career um and they help you figure out what you're um important about what you care about I think that and I think um yeah I think that one is the main one for me I think how was that? Because I know that you've got Moody. Like, have there been other projects that you have launched um, or passion projects that you've actually done outside of your, you know, within your career that you've been really excited about? Yeah, I'm I really got really, I really understood and really got really passionate about how the importance of people having access to water. Mm. And how much that can really change people's lives. And so I think doing an exhibition a few years ago, we got a group together and we just created this exhibition. And it was this crazy pop-up exhibition, exhibition for change. Had no idea what we were doing. We got all these artists involved and there was a team of us that created it. And we all just came together from totally different backgrounds 
and we made it happen. And I think I'd always kind of thought that you needed a company to do that kind of thing. And it was something that a company would kind of organize and you'd be part of it. Mm-hmm. So it was really incredible to do that and see where it's led and to different things. And now I'm doing, I've got an upcoming exhibition with Kate Pullen, mm-hmm. which again, it's just, it's for fun. And it's because we're really passionate about this topic. And so we're doing locker room talk and we're flipping the connotation, negative connotations on its head and making it something really empowering for women. And we're doing things about body positivity and taboos and healthy discussions around sex. Mm-hmm. And that stuff's really interesting. And it's really cool that we can like pull in this group and create something yeah. really exciting. And, you know, we're going to get to work with some really rad women doing something for fun and everyone's going to bring something together. So, yeah. yeah. That's, so that's, if anyone wants to get involved, yeah. <laughs> send me an email. Yeah, <laughs> hit Lua. Um, so, so what was the exhibition for change? What was the the focus of that? The focus of that was to get raise. I think it was mainly raise awareness for the problem of people not having access to water, and then mm. just how lucky we are in Melbourne to have access to clean water. And then we raised money and donated it to WaterAid. Um, so that they could help with their efforts and yeah it was just really interesting as well because with working in that water space for so many years really interesting seeing how us a really small group could then just make something really big and really cool and really uniquely ours not uniquely ours but with a different perspective and we didn't have all the problems of like not problems but worries of a business and trying to do all these things we just could try things out and see if they worked and give it a go and get yeah. people involved yeah that that's incredible that you were able to create you know that one and the up-and-coming one to actually make change you know designers actually bringing about change at a you know globally but then locally as well i think that's incredible to actually just go let's just do it you know what i mean like you could have talked about it for another six months or nine months or 12 months but it was just a matter of going cool like let's actually just do it get the ball rolling having those people around you that are passionate about the same things yeah and you get that sense of like oh like Sometimes you put other people up and you sell and you're like, look what they did. Look what yeah. we did. Yeah. You just feel so, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. That's, um, I'm excited to see <laughs> the, the next one that you, that you do with, uh, with Kate. Um, yeah. Where can people find your work? Uh, good question. Maybe just in my website, which yep. is louisebrough.com. Um, yeah. Or if you feel like you can check out moodyincense.com. <laughs> But yeah, it's probably my website, I think. Yeah, amazing. Um, Louise, uh, it's great to be able to chat with you. Thank you so much for sharing um, those incredible insights about your career, the highs and lows. Um, I really appreciate your time. So thank you once again. Uh, It's been so good chatting with you, Jimmy. And yeah, I hope someone gets something out of it. Yeah, I'm sure they will. It's been great. Thank you. You're welcome. The Pathfinder Podcast has been brought to you by Shillington, the original graphic design bootcamp. To learn more about the podcast and Shillington, click the link in the bio. 
show your support by subscribing and rating us on your preferred podcast platform. Original music composed and performed by Manakshi. Thanks for listening.